0: Good morning Aurora. The day is Monday, May 11th. The time is now 8:01 a.m. You're tuned in to the newest podcast coming coming out of Aurora, specifically downtown Aurora. Welcome to Good Morning Aurora, brand new podcast. We will be featuring uh, daily news weather updates about Aurora specifically focused on the downtown area and then spreading out um, to and throughout Aurora proper. We hope this message finds you well and safe and at home and maybe out with your mask on and if you're an essential worker, then that's great and wash your hands and all that good stuff Just so that you know this podcast will cover two main um, focal points. The first is social justice. Social justice is something that we as a community here in Aurora take very specifically. It's also something that's very important uh, generally and overall. This podcast will be focused on that. Secondly, we will be giving a voice to the underserved. There's a lot of people, companies, entities and things that do not have the chance uh, to benefit from some large production and things like that, and we will be speaking out for them, letting it be known uh, who they are, what they do, and being their voice as well, and being advocates for them. The time is now 8.04 a.m. Starting off the news today, it's a very sad day because Jerry Stiller, the Seinfeld actor, um, and comedian, excuse me, and comedian as well. Uh, he passed away at the age of 92. Um, I don't know how many other Seinfeld fans there are out there, but boy, let me tell you, I loved Seinfeld. Jerry Stiller, of course, is the father of Ben Stiller. One of the funniest comedians out there as well. I love dodgeball, um, He was also in Heavyweights, if I'm not mistaken, I think. That was a funny movie. But yeah, um, Jerry Stiller played Frank Costanza on Seinfeld. And he was the father-in-law and king of Queens. He died at 90, or excuse me, he passed away at 92 years old today. On this day, uh, May 11th, Bob Marley passed away of cancer. Uh, Another blow to music. Bob Marley, for some of our younger listeners, was uh, perhaps the most associated face with reggae and uh, Jamaica, Jamaican music as well. Um, So he is definitely missed. He passed away in 1981. That was one year before I was born. Showing you guys my age there. Uh, On this day in 1997, IBM's chess playing computer, Deep Blue, defeated Garry Kasparov in the last game of a six-game match to claim a 3-5 to to 2-5 victory. It won two games and it had three draws. It marked the first time a current world champion had lost a match to a computer under tournament conditions. Could you imagine losing to a computer? That would suck. 1918 American theorist, theoretical physicist. Excuse me, I slaughtered that and it was recorded. But well, that's cool. I'll get better with this. This is the first episode, so just to let you guys know that, was born, excuse me, Richard Feynman, was born in New York City. Also born on this day in 1904, Salvador Dali, famous, famous Spanish artist. Uh, Salvador Dali is probably one of the most, at least in regards to name recognition, one of the most famous painters uh, and artists that ever lived. His works have been Cheris talked about, and um, widely critiqued uh, throughout the world. He was a Spanish surrealist, known for his technical skill, precise draftsmanship, and the striking and bizarre images in his work. He was born in Figueres, Catalonia. How about that? Time is now 8.07 AM. It is a rather gloomy day outside, to be quite honest with you, it looks like it's going to rain it looks like it wants to rain it looks like it will rain but at the moment it's not raining at all kind of that dark overcasty batman gotham city kind of feel to it you know what i mean when i say that it's very morose and kind of slow out there um but it's actually very nice outside in regards to weather. It's not chilly at all. It is pretty much uh, a nice warm day. Uh, There's no murder hornets outside. That's a good thing. Glad about that. One of the things that I have not seen flying around are these ridiculous murder hornets, but I did see a rather disturbing video the other day. I saw a video of uh, a praying mantis eating a murder hornet i mean it was just just going to work on it it was so it was so morbid to watch it was just crazy it started off with the head it started just you know just eating its head apart and what was actually pretty cool about watching it was that the as it was eating its head the murder hornet was still alive but could just do nothing due to the uh, imposing forearms or appendages, whatever the hell they're called, of the uh, praying mantis, and it was just stuck there, getting its head eaten off of its body. Gruesome. The time is now 8:08 a.m. Chicago's rooftop Homer Ball remains in the hands of the fan who grabbed it 20 years old, 20 years ago. The only ball to land on the rooftop across the street from Wrigley Field in game action, still in the hands of the fan. In a green windbreaker who raced to grab it 20 years ago. Sports is something that is missed sorely. There are people, I have friends who are simply indignant that they can't watch any football or baseball or anything like that, basketball or anything like that uh, on TV. I know that they're upset. I understand they're upset, but you know, that's just how it's gotta be. Some idiot is going to get everybody at the ballpark sick, and then we've got an explosion in cases, and that is not good whatsoever. Uh, And I think that that is something that needs to, well, for my sports friends, I think that's something that needs to be looked at, changed, and possibly administered to, so they can have their fun and do their things uh, when it comes to sports. It's not the same. When you're staying at home watching sports, now you're stuck at home and you can't watch sports. I'm sure that for the sports fans out there, uh, that's got to be rather uncool, rather uncool. All right, so I have a very special, I was reading an article. It was wonderful, actually. Uh, It is a very interesting article, and it's about what Jesus really said about heaven and hell. And I thought that the article really spoke to me because it was very, very, very poignant. Uh, it's a Time Magazine piece. We'll be going over that. And uh, we have an interview today. Interviews take place at 8.30 a.m. Our interview subject today will be Mr. Sam Hall, who is the director of Bright Oaks Senior Living. He will be coming on with us at eight. 30 a.m. to discuss Bright Oaks and what it's all about, what they do at Bright Oaks, and uh, helpful information, just in case anyone needs to know um, about it. All right, so jumping right into it, none of us like thinking about death, but there are times when we have little choice. The virus spreads, hospitals fill, and systems become overwhelmed. Our greatest concerns, personal and national, are for survival, but for many people, even the otherwise healthy, the crisis has unexpectedly raised the specter of death itself, our constant companion, even if, most of the time, we do our best to ignore it, or, in more normal times, try to laugh it off. The most recent place and memorable effort was NBC's smash hit comedy series, The Good Place, but the humor even there was rooted precisely in terror as Eleanor Shellstrop and her companions desperately work to avoid the afterlife they deserved in the bad place and its eternal torments, the theorist is ancient as civilization's oldest surviving records. The hero of the epic of Gilgamesh rides in agony—excuse me—at the prospect of spending eternally grovelling in dust, being eaten by worms. Few people today may share Gilgamesh's terror of consciously living forever in the dirt. Plenty, however, tremble before the possibility of eternal misery. Possibly this is a good time to help people realize that it simply will not be that way. There are over two billion Christians in the world, the vast majority of whom believe in heaven and hell. You either die and your soul goes to either everlasting bliss or torment or purgatory en route. This is true even in the land of increasing nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. Americans continue to anticipate a version of the alternatives portrayed in the good place. Regardless of le- religious persuasion, 72% believe in a literal heaven, 58% in a literal hell. The vast majority of these people believe, naturally, rather naturally assume, this is what Jesus himself taught. But that is not true. Neither Jesus nor the Hebrew Bible he interpreted endorsed the view that departed souls go to paradise or everlasting pain. Unlike most Greeks, ancient Jews traditionally did not believe the soul could exist at all apart from the body. On the contrary, for them, the soul was more like the breath. The first human God created, Adam, began as a lump of clay. Then God breathed life into him. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Adam remained alive until he stopped breathing. Then it was dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Ancient Jews thought that was true of all of us. Excuse me. When we stop breathing, our breath doesn't go anywhere, it just stops. So too, the soul doesn't continue on outside the body, subject to post mortem pleasure or pain. It doesn't exist any longer. The Hebrew Bible itself assumes that the dead are simply dead, that their body lies in the grave. And there is no consciousness ever again. It is true that some poetic authors, for example, in the Psalms, use the mysterious term sheol, S-H-E-O-L, to describe a person's new location. But in most instances, sheol is simply a synonym for tomb or grave. It's not a place where someone actually goes. And so traditional Israelites did not believe in life after death, only death after death. That is what made made death so mournful. Nothing could make an afterlife existence sweet since there was no life at all and thus no family, friends, conversations, food, drink, no communion even with God. God would forget the person and the person could not even worship. The most one could hope for was a good and particularly long life here and now. The Jews began to change their view over time, although it too never involved imagining a heaven or hell. About 200 years before Jesus, Jewish thinkers began to believe that there had to be something beyond death, a kind of justice to come. Jews had long believed that God was lord of the entire world and all people, both the living and the dead. But the problems with that thinking were palpable. God's only, excuse me, God's own people Israel really continually, painfully and frustratingly suffered from natural disaster, political crisis, and most notably, military defeat. If God loves his people and is sovereign over all the world, why do his people experience so much tragedy? Some thinkers came up with a solution that explained how God would bring about justice, but again, one that didn't involve perpetual bliss in a heaven above or perpetual torment in a hell below. This new idea maintained that there are evil forces in the world aligned against God and determined to afflict his people. Even though God is the ultimate ruler over all, he has temporarily relinquished control of this world for some mysterious reason. But the forces of evil have little time left. God is soon to intervene in earthly affairs to destroy everything and everyone that opposes him and to bring in a new realm for his true followers, a kingdom of God, a paradise on earth. Most important, this new earthly kingdom will come not only to those alive at the time, but also to those who have died. Indeed, God will bring life back into the dead, restoring them to an earthly existence. And God will bring all the dead back to life, not just the righteous. The multitude who had been oppressed, excuse me, the multitude who had been opposed to God will also be raised before a different reason. To see the errors of their ways and be judged. Once they are shocked and filled with regret, but too late, they will permanently be wiped out of existence. The view of the coming resurrection dominated the view of Jewish thought in the days of Jesus. It was also the view he himself embraced and proclaimed. The end of time is coming soon. The earthly kingdom of God is, quote, at hand, end quote. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. God will soon destroy everything and everyone opposed to him and establish a new order on earth. Those who enter this kingdom will enjoy a utopian existence for all time. All others will be annihilated. But Jesus put his own twist on the idea. Contrary to what other Jewish leaders taught, Jesus preached that no one will inherit the glorious future kingdom by stringently observing all the Jewish laws in their most intimate details, or by meticulously following the rules of worship involving sacrifice, prayer, and observance of holy days, or by pursuing one's own purity through escaping the vile world and the tainting influence of sinful others. Instead, for Jesus, the earthly utopia will come to those who are fully dedicated to the most pervasive and dominant teachings of God's law. Put most simply, that involves loving God above all things despite personal hardship and working diligently for the welfare of others, even when it is un- exceedingly difficult. People who have not been living lives of complete unselfish love need to repent and return to the two, quote, greatest commandments, end quote, of Jewish scripture. Deep love of God, Deuteronomy chapter six verses four through six, and committed love of neighbor, Leviticus chapters 19 and 18. This may be simple, but it is not easy. Since your neighbor is anyone you know, see or hear about, as in the parable of the Good Samaritan, true love means helping everyone in need, not just those in your preferred social circles. Jesus was concerned principally for the poor, the outcasts, the foreigners, the marginalized, and even the most hated enemies. Few people are, especially those with good lives and abundant resources. No wonder it's easier to push a camel through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter into the kingdom. <sighs> I had to take a sip of coffee. Most people today would be surprised to learn that Jesus believed in a bodily eternal life here on earth instead of eternal bliss for souls. But even more that he did not believe in hell as a place of eternal torment. In traditional English versions, he does occasionally seem to speak of, quote, hell, in quotes. For example, in his warnings in the Sermon on the Mount, anyone who calls another a fool or who allows their right eye or hand to sin will be cast into, quote, hell, in quotes. Matthew 5:22. rather, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, 29 through 30. But these passages are not actually referring to hell. The word Jesus uses is Gehenna. This this term does not refer to a place of eternal torment, but to a notorious valley just outside the walls of Jerusalem, believed by many Jews at the time to be the most unholy, God-forsaken place on earth. It was where, according to the Old Testament, ancient Israelites practiced child sacrifice to foreign gods. The God of Israel had condemned and forsaken the place. In the ancient world, whether Greek, Roman, or Jewish, the worst punishment a person could experience after death was to be denied a decent burial. Jesus developed this view into a repugnant scenario. Corpses of those excluded from the kingdom would be unceremoniously tossed into the most desecrated dumping ground on the planet. Jesus did not say souls would be tortured there. They simply would no longer exist. Jesus' stress on the absolute annihilation of sinners appears throughout his teachings. At one point, he says there are two gates that people pass through. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. One is narrow and requires a difficult path, but leads to, quote, life, end quotes. Few go that way. The other is broad and easy and therefore commonly taken. But it leads to, quote, destruction, end quotes. It is an important word. The wrong path does not lead to torture. So too Jesus saw the future, excuse me, so too Jesus says the future kingdom is like a fisherman who hauls in a large net. Matthew chapter 13 verses 47 through 50. After sorting through the fish, he keeps the good ones and throws the others out. He doesn't torture them, they just die. Or the kingdom is like a person who gathers up the plants that have grown in his field. Matthew chapter 13 verse 36 through 43. He keeps the good grain, but tosses the weeds into a fiery furnace. These don't burn forever. They are consumed by fire and then no more. Still other passages may seem to suggest that Jesus believed in hell. Most notably, Jesus speaks of all nations coming together for the last judgment. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. Some are said to be sheep, and the others goats. The good sheep are those who have helped those in need the hungry, the sick, the poor, the foreigner. These are welcome into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The wicked goats, however, have refused to help those in need, and so are sent to eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. At first blush, that certainly sounds like the hell of popular imagination. But when Jesus summarizes his point, he explains that the contrasting fates are eternal life and everlasting, excuse me, eternal life and eternal punishment. They are not eternal pleasure and eternal pain. The opposite of life is death, not torture. So the punishment is annihilation. But why does it evolve eternal fire? Because the fire never goes out. The flames, not the torment, go on forever. And why is the punishment called eternal? Because it will never end. These people will be annihilated forever. That is not pleasant to think about, but it will not hurt once it's finished. And so, Jesus stood in a very long line of serious thinkers who have refused to believe that a good God would torture his creatures for eternity. The idea of eternal hell was very much a latecomer in the Christian scene, developed decades after Jesus' death, and honed to a fine pitch in the preaching of fire and brimstone that later followers sometimes attributed to Jesus himself. But the torments of hell were not preached by either Jesus or his original Jewish followers. They emerged... Excuse me, they emerged among later Gentile converts who did not hold to the Jewish notion of a future resurrection of the dead. These later Christians came out of a Greek culture and its beliefs that souls were immortal and would survive death. From at least the time of Socrates, many Greek thinkers have subscribed to the idea of the immortality of the soul. Just a moment. Okay, here we go. I lost my place, folks. Aha, there we go. Immortality of the soul. All right. Mm. Okay. But the torments of hell were not preached by either Jesus or his original Jewish followers. They emerged among later Gentile converts who did not hold to the Jewish notion of a future resurrection of the dead. These later Christians came out of Greek culture and its beliefs that souls were immortal and would survive death. From at least the time of Socrates, many Greek thinkers had subscribed to the idea of the immortality of the soul. Even though the human body dies, the human soul both will not and cannot. Later Christians who came out of Gentile circles adopted this view for themselves and reasoned that if souls are built to last forever, their ultimate fates will do so as well. It will be either eternal bliss or eternal torment. This innovation represents an unhappy amalgamation of Jesus' Jewish views and and those found in parts of the Greek philosophical tradition. It was a strange hybrid. A view held neither by the original Christians nor by ancient Greek intelligentsia before them. Still, in one interesting and comforting way, Jesus' own views of either eternal reward or complete annihilation do resemble Greek notions propagated for over four centuries. Socrates himself expressed the idea most memorably when on trial before an Athenian jury on capital charges. His apology that is, legal defense, can still be read today. Recorded by his most famous pupil, Plato, Socrates openly declares that he sees no reason to fear the death sentence. On the contrary, he is rather energized by the idea of passing on from this life. For Socrates, death will be one of two things. On one hand, it may entail the longest, most untroubled deep sleep that could be imagined. And who doesn't enjoy a good sleep? On the other hand, it may involve a conscious existence. That, too, would be good, even better. It would mean carrying on with life in all its pleasures, but none of its pain. For Socrates, the classical world's most famous pursuer of truth, it would mean endless conversations about deep subjects with well-known thinkers of his past. And so the afterlife presents no bad choices, only good ones. Death was not a source of terror or even dread. Twenty-four centuries later, with all our advances in understanding, our world and human life within it, surely we could think that both Jesus and Socrates had a lot of things right. Jesus taught that in this short life we have, we should devote ourselves to the welfare of others, the poor, the needy, the sick, the oppressed, the outcast, the alien. We should listen to him. But Socrates was almost certainly right as well. There we go. Right as well. But Socrates was almost certainly right as well. None of us, of course, knows what will happen when we pass from this world of transience. Transience. But his two options are still the most viable. On one hand, we may lose our consciousness with no longer a worry in a world. Jesus saw this as permanent annihilation, Socrates, as a pleasant deep sleep. In either scenario, there will be no more pain. On the other hand, there may be more yet to come, a happier place, a good place. And so, in this, the greatest teacher of the Greeks and the founder of Christianity agreed to this extent. When, in the end, we pass from this earthly realm, we may indeed have something to hope for, but we have absolutely nothing to fear. That was a wonderful, brilliant, uh, piece in Time Magazine by Bart Ehrman, E-H-R-M-A-N, who, has a, who is the best-selling author uh, of Misquoting Jesus, and that comes from his new book, Heaven and Hell, A History of the Afterlife. The time is now 8.29 a.m. This is Good Morning Aurora's podcast, the very first drop of the, well, it's the very first drop of the week, very first drop of the day. We're going to be doing this Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. The time is now 829 a.m. Our interview of the day is going to be with a dear friend of mine, a wonderful individual and probably the most stylish dresser since William Shatner, Uh, before he was doing the Travelocity commercials, of course. His name is Sam Hall. I'm going to be patching him here, or rather in, here in a minute. We're going to take a break, a brief break while I sip my fantastic Dunkin' Donuts coffee, baby. It is good. But what we're going to do is get ourselves together and establish connection. And we're going to see if Sam is ready to jump on. Sam, how you doing over there? Hang on a second. Hold on. One moment, brother. One more moment. Good morning, Sam. How are you? Good morning.
1: Doing well. How are you?
0: I'm all right, sir. Doing good today. Doing good. Good morning. Good morning, Aurora. That's right, Aurora. (laughs) morning. Be with you every morning, and um, you
1: deserve the best pushing through a
0: lot
1: right now.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Sam is the co-host of uh, Good Morning Aurora. So Sam will be featured, uh, for you listeners out there, Sam will be featured predominantly in this podcast. He will be a regular staple and feature. Now when it comes to, now as I mentioned before for all you guys out there, we're going to be doing, there will be an interview at 8.30 um, every single morning that we can book a uh, colleague or constituent to come talk to us and to you. Uh, about the things that matter here in our city. And on the days that we don't have an interview, I think that what we'll do is we'll share information and we will do some pieces from uh, some of the different entities in Aurora. So that's gonna be from Bright Oaks Senior Living. It may come from uh, some of our friends and pals down there at Two Brothers who are not working, but there's a lot of talent and a lot of different uh, initiatives taking place and we will be showcasing those here on Good Morning Aurora. So, we're going to start off by asking Sam some some questions. They're not too, I'm a good questioner. They're not too pressing. I'm not going to break his balls, as they say. I'm not going to do any of that. But we're going to start off. Sam, where are you from?
1: Well, I am uh, born in Chicago. I grew up in Riverside, North Riverside. Um, and, you know, I, I, I bounced around. I have got to travel and live around this country, and I'm... Uh, thankful for that. But uh, I find myself back, uh, back home,
0: Illinois. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and Sam, growing up, what impact did your mom have on your life?
1: So my mom was a, a big impact. Uh, she's an Italian woman um, from the Italian neighborhood. Uh, you know, grandparents were eight. My grand started a restaurant, um, Tofano's, Bernard Park, uh, still going strong downtown today um, in Little Italy. So she was, you know, in essence, really my best friend. I'm a little a child, so, um, you know, she kind of stayed close and learned. But she was, uh, was a tough neighborhood broad, as they'd like to say. And so uh, she still is, so she, um, you know, didn't just give me the canned responses, which I think allowed me to question things uh, growing up. You know, wasn't this just, you know... Here, this is how it's going to be. Like there was, there was some gray area, so I, right. I've explored that gray area.
0: <laughs> good, good. Um, now, Sam, you are. Um, c- tell us about Bright Oaks Senior Living. Uh, tell us how you got started there. Tell us your position, and uh, you know, th- let the let the folks know about
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Bright Oaks of Aurora, we're uh, assisted living and memory care, um, typically you know, your most vulnerable population right now. Right. Uh, we offer respite care, um, you know, for, for a two-week span. Um, and what we do is, is we, for our memory care, uh, we stay cutting-edge. Uh, we do Montessori moments in time. Um, we're managed by Meridian Senior Living, which is just a fantastic organization. Um, so we're, we're trying to understand, especially on the memory care side, um, what people with dementia go through, what their families go through. Um, and, and really make a soft landing for everyone, regardless if it's with us. Um, and you can also say that for the assisted living side, some people you know, need some assisted living. Some need, you know, like the peace of mind, that there is a nurse or a push button, um, and they're able to, you know, they, they want to live a certain way, uh, but they also you know, want a level of independence or want meals, and, and we're there. And we find out about the individual, their families, Um, and make our activities, um, our events, you know, geared to each person.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, How long have you been with um, Bright Oaks?
1: Um, Going on on a year. I've been in sales and marketing and and baseball and coaching baseball uh, a long time. I feel everything I've done these last few years have kind of coalesced into this, you know, level of service at Bright Oaks to this most vulnerable population during this
0: you know, period of time. Nice. Um, is there something that the general public would possibly have wrong or have a misconception about assisted living and memory care um, in your particular field? Do you, do you get much of that?
1: Yeah, and I'd say the the simplest way I could describe that is, um, you know, people think, you know, a nursing home or assisted living, as pretty much like one tool over the cuckoo's nest, you know, it's, it's very white and bare with, you know, a hospital bed, your chain there. And it just, I think there's like that negative stigma, right? Um, especially in the generations, you know, older than us, you know, we're, you know, this, you know, end of the millennial uh, where we're at, you know, into, you know, the next generation, that generation who's currently looking at this still has a mentality and they feel that they're um, giving up on their family or that they're putting them in a home and they're just giving up. Um, and so that's something where I'm thankful for my role because like I talked to a lot of people like, well, it's okay. Like you, right. it's difficult. You're not trained to take care of someone, especially if it's, you know, um, you know, something medical versus a living or if it's dementia or Alzheimer's, like that's a lot. And, and there's a lot of things that unless you were a trained professional, it'd be very difficult. So it's kind of getting them to say, like, okay, do your research most definitely. Like, reach out to the good websites, like, find a place, but like, it's okay because, you know, you are doing the right thing. You, you're giving them more of a quality of life. People trained to do this than just keeping them, you know, just to keep them home, just so you don't have to tell your friends that you put them in a home. Like, no, you did something good for them. Like, you're, you become the parent. And like being a baseball coach as long as I have, like, now talking to families who are in these needs is really something because it's almost like you're coaching them and you're trying to be like, look, you're doing a good job. Like no one knows that pain. Like it's a, I worked in special ed too. Like no one knows the pain of the people close to these situations. And it's nice to say and pass by like, Oh, I want to take care of, them. I'm going to donate a dollar into this and I'm going to do it. But when you're living and breathing this every day, like you don't have the right to feel selfish. You don't have, you feel like you don't have the right to feel selfish. You don't have the right to like have a bad day or like, you know be upset with someone who's being so rude to you based off of a disease right? and so it's you know to kind of be able to see that with my skill set to then talk to people like yes it led to people moving in but also like builds that you know void of why we're doing this to you know eventually be able to talk to more people more businesses about their passions because that's that unique piece to us that that inner monologue that only you have connected like that you can connect to that's why everyone's you know, different, like, it, and you could be the best at it, so if it's, like, connecting or being the best person to connect people together, like, you're hosting an interview, like, you know, this is that idea of us all being one or right. one love, that has to be in practice, like, it's nice to say it at the end of a song, and be like, yeah, man, one love, peace out, like, yeah, but you
0: have to live that shit, like, the next moment. Right, <laughs> which, um, which is a very interesting, um, good segue, so I want to let the listeners know that, um how this, how this came about, this podcast that we have here, and to Sam's point, um, I was scrolling on Instagram one day, as I typically do, because I love the gram, and I got, I saw this post that's, um, the title stood out to me, we got tagged in, and it was, um uh, the post that you made for jumping on the calls, I can't think of what the, what was the tagline? It was
1: okay. stir,
0: crazy. stir crazy. Yes, yes, yes. It was stir crazy. And, um, Sam had created that, um, he tagged in a lot of the different city organizations and groups to try to get a uh, collective body of, you know, minds together and see what we can do to address some of the issues and just put together, um, our thoughts and things like that to see how we could all collectively come together and help. So Sam is very good at that. I guess that's the baseball coach in you, you know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah. You know, ain't no crying in baseball, so we're going to all have to get together. <laughs> that's right. Hey, you can't.
1: You know, once, once, that, you know, once you cross the lines, man, yeah. they say play ball. It's like you look to your teammate, and don't matter who that teammate is, man, woman, chalky, you know what I mean? doesn't matter. Like, that's your human brother or sister got to win. What else? Or you lose. That's it.
0: Where is, uh, where is, uh, Bright Oaks located for those who don't know?
1: So Bright, o- Bright Oaks is in, um, Aurora, uh, off I-88, so Lake Street and Solomon, um, on River Street overlooking, uh, overlooking the river. It's, uh, very quiet, uh, very quiet street. And that, uh, approximation to the, to the river is really nice because it's a constant reminder um, like when I do like Instagram videos in the morning, you know, there's so much right now, like from a, you know a worldly standpoint to keep us afraid. But like nature itself, like I'm pulling in there now. Nature itself is like continuing. Like the birds are still following patterns. The, the rivers flowing. Like the winds blowing. And that simple thought, I think, can give us all peace to be like, all right, explore your goals. Like yeah, your restaurant, it might, it, it's different right now. Like your business, it's definitely different. But it's like. That's social Darwinism. Like, if you like it or not, you got to adapt. Social Darwinism? Yeah. That's like, you know, that's what this is. Like, this is, I, I think that, like, you know, we as humans, like, you know, just all, oh, we came from this. It's evolution. It's creation. It's evolution. Really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where we came from. It's where we're going.
0: I'm and feeling like, that. Social Darwinism. For all you listeners out there, That I, I, update, your, update your profiles with that. Social Darwinism. Word. That's word.
1: And so with that, it's like, you know, there's like a, a dope fusion spot that opened up downtown by Pure Gravity over there. Like, there's all these little restaurants, like the Morton's, the Amy Morton's, you know, stole you know, I, like the, they, they're, it's there in Aurora that they're like creating this buzz to bring the people in from St. Charles and maybe be really like, yeah, it's the same thing with what I have to do at Bright Oaks about changing stigma. Like, that's what the leaders are doing right now, and they're doing a great job. This could be a roadblock, Or it's like, oh, wait, we're going to not bow out of the competition. You know, like I said, the social Darwinism, like, all right, I think there needs to be more compassion. It can't just be only dog eat dog world. But it's like, all right, or you get crushed or someone else, like, wins or they, they, they squash your, you know, your momentum. Or, you know, you just pull the bootstraps up. Like, we're living examples of what I am saying so it's not a holier than thou. Like we're right. something right now in this media that started from something else. That's the idea. So the whole idea with the Zoom is like if other people start to do this, that's how the Renaissance period happened. That's how that new able Renaissance happens where, okay, it can be a smart city. Great. Let's load it up with technology. Let's hold it up with ideas. And Aurora has that opportunity because of the, the, Ven, the music venue, which is, it's got to be, I mean, they have changed contract because every single person that plays downtown Chicago Right, and Chicago's dead right now, anyways, should play this music video is like a very small, intimate, you know, thing, and it just should become a thing. And then you can go have a nice meal, have a nice thing, and boom, and then you can set that up in a in a social distancing way. So the whole idea is is like good, let people hear this and be like, all right, I'm gonna start this, I'm gonna start this, I'm gonna start this, I'm gonna start this. Because eventually that's gonna build that momentum, that like good energy from the sky, and it's gonna it's gonna shine the light on all the dark. And it's going to crush this virus, it's going to crush this other stuff, and then like the boom happens not because some politician says it, it's because that's what humans do—they thrive, they survive, and they thrive, and then they take care of each other.
0: Um, the time is now eight forty-three a.m. Yeah, I um, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think that it's I think that it's great. Plus, um, you, you speak about the um, the at-risk and the vulnerable population. Which is another reason why we started to do this podcast because uh, for those of you who know ourselves, Sam and I personally, uh, we work, I myself work with older veterans, and we work with people who are now, due to this, um, finding themselves inside the house longer than they ever were, not able to do the small things that used to bring peace to their life. And, um, you know, due to health reasons and concerns and their age, they're just not able to um, you know, to do the things they used to do, so we have to look out for them, and this is one way for us to do that—to bring light to um, to their causes. You know, very good, Sam. Um, so, in our downtown Aurora, well, you uh, Bright Oaks is not too far away from downtown Aurora. In our downtown Aurora area, though, in Aurora itself, what do you um, what places do you like and frequent?
1: Sure. Well, I I got married at two, Company Two Five One. Um, which is the oh there, nice right, 57 um, which was just you know fantastic and th- those are the places that I think Obama's back I mean and they get they uh, you know that's a company that has you know this movable feast that's in St Charles or Geneva one of the two um, unbelievable food they took care of our families really well. Uh, Treadwell coffee is probably you know my favorite uh, place to go. I mean the owner is awesome dude. Uh, been through so much, like, just the, he's someone that would be great to get, for us to talk
0: to, because, oh, yeah, we're gonna um, holler at him, we're gonna holler, (laughs) he's getting through like, like, health things, and, like, you know, and, and and they're
1: adapting, like, those are the businesses that are adapting, which is, like, you know, why, you know, he threw his money in his own name, instead of, like, getting a Starbucks, or, like, you know, other people who are doing the stuff on their own, instead of, like, throwing it on someone else, because now you have, like, the capability to try new technology to, like, make your own app, to like, you know what I mean, so, I uh, really like that. And then, um, you know, that's kind of the go-to. Society 57, too, I mean, is is just a place that you, you would see that almost in the future. It's like a futuristic type place. Yeah. Um, and it's like and there's not even places like that, really. They kind of try to make that Starbucks in Naperville like it a little bit. Um, but it's really – there's no place really like it.
0: Um, oh, so wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second, Sam. I, you know what? I – I apologize to listeners out there. Yesterday was Mother's Day. What did you do for your wife? What, what I know you I know you had to do something nice, bro. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. I uh, I I did. I got her a nice thing, and then I did some adulting. I uh, so she's uh, she's expecting. So we I got her some some clothes to go with the uh, you know with the maternity. And she, <laughs> A shirt that says, uh,
0: sweet child of mine, and then, uh, uh a mama shirt. Congratulations. Then, good, uh, good.
1: Thanks. And then
0: I'm, uh, I got King High Screens. Book. Nice. <laughs> it's real adults, you know, like, right. I'm just say,
1: I'm just,
0: I'm not really an adult, I just play one on TV. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Um, uh, time is now 8.46 a.m. Um, Sam, you pulling in, or you got a little more time to go until, uh, we... Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm. I'm just getting out, getting outside, but I, I got, I got a few more minutes. I'm pulling okay. right out here, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. And you know, one thing we I, I always like to say is like people listening to this, it's like anytime you hear someone or they have that like hint of motivation or that hint of like trying to tell you what to do, like I know that initial reaction would be like, nah, like you know, f that dude, screw that guy, like you know what I mean, like. I, I I could do it like they're just talking because there's a million people putting out content and like trying to motivate you like we're not here to motivate you no motivation doesn't come from somebody else like what what happens is is the realization that your inner monologue to whatever thing you want to talk to is yours and no one else can hear it so that means that the pie is big enough for everybody to succeed just put it in a monetary way like if you want a hundred thousand dollars because you want a uh you want this car, you want you want a hundred thousand dollar house to buy this house in, in this neighborhood. Well then you need a hundred thousand dollars because you want to buy a little bigger house in this neighborhood. Those subtle differences mean the pie is big enough. Even though the end goal of a hundred thousand dollars for a good job for uh, financial freedom or the sense that you're doing something like that can come right to right? all of us without like having to hate on the other person. So if you're here you get to be a part of this, you know, podcast or, or this this meeting of it like egos are at the door and it's just this idea of true sharing true like okay we right. can be spiritual on monday morning we don't have to wait till a certain time to start to think of like metaphysics and you know the way the universe works like that can be a part of our everyday
0: right no yeah i i i uh i totally agree with you i totally agree with you the time is now eight forty eight a.m Um, So we are actually going to, uh, we're going to be closing here momentarily, but I just wanted to share a couple more things with our listeners, Uh, a couple, a little bit uh, of the info. Um, If you can, Sam, if you can just let our listeners know um, where they can go to, to get information about Bright Oaks for a family member um, website, anything like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You can... Go on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. I usually do a live video. I'm gonna do one when we get off here. Okay. Um, in the morning um, at Bright Oaks Senior Living. Um, and then uh, Facebook is super active. Um, it's a way for us to connect with families. It's a way um, for you know, us to just show. You know, we share with other other uh, communities as well. Uh, Facebook, Bright Oaks Senior Living. Um, yeah, and then you can slide into the DMs
0: on the IG, and I got it. <laughs> so right. Living. That's it. Right, right. Um, well, this was a very good, I believe, um, flagship podcast, interview, show. Um, and again, we're going to be we'll be live tomorrow. We'll check you folks out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Uh, but I want to tell everybody out there listening and I hope that you guys have a very good day. Be safe, be blessed, and all that. And um, if you have a loved one who you believe could benefit from assisted living or memory care, Bright Oaks Senior Living uh, is there to help you. Wonderful gentleman by the name of Sam Hall. You guys can reach out to him. Uh, and with that, the time is now 8:50 a.m. I think we'll call it a wrap for today. You know, I think this I think this went. Think we're good, you know, it's like wine, you know what I'm saying, right now we, right now we just got a bunch of grapes, that's right. you know, we got to make a cabernet out of this, yeah,
1: yep, I'm saying, feeling that vibe, I feel it up the
0: spine, and that's how it's got to be, yeah. the
1: thing is, it's whoever, if there's one person that listens to this, whatever you do today, be the
0: best to ever walk the planet. That's right, that's right, uh, and with that, I think that we'll let you guys go for today, I thank Sam for jumping on this podcast with us, and giving us an interview about uh, Bright Oaks. And for the rest of you folks out there, you guys stay safe, stay blessed. Good morning, Aurora. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Peace.